Hi, my name is Pete Redden, and welcome to The Way I Taught It. Next level aviation knowledge in microbursts. Welcome to another edition of The Way I Taught It, an ever-evolving podcast of aviation topics. In this episode, we'll discuss accelerated stalls and maneuvering speed, also known as maximum operating maneuvering speed. Maneuvering speed represented by VA and maximum operating maneuvering speed represented by VO. Both are the same speed, they're just represented differently depending on whether you have a POH or an airplane flying manual for your aircraft. On with the aeronautical pontification. Before getting started, you might want to open up your pilot's handbook of aeronautical knowledge to figure 5-55 on page 5-38. It's the VG diagram. You may also want to open up your airplane flying handbook to page 519 which is the procedures for the accelerated stall. We're going to reference this generic VG diagram and the paragraphs about the accelerated stall during the podcast. So keep them handy. If you're listening without your PHAC or your airplane flying handbook, no worries. You'll grasp the concepts anyway, and you'll be able to go back and review the diagrams and the paragraphs out of the Pilot's Handbook of Aeronautical Knowledge and the Airplane Flying Handbook. And maybe even listen to the podcast again while doing so. So first off, what's an accelerated stall? In the military, we call it a G-stall. In general aviation, we might call it a load factor stall. But an accelerated stall is any time the airplane stalls while above 1G. So it's not a turning stall. And we'll talk about that here in a second. An accelerated stall is due to an excess of G-force or an excess of load factor. So you're flying along and you put the aircraft into a 30 degree bank, you're at 100 knots, and you pull as hard as you can. If you are below maneuvering speed, what's going to happen is as you pull back and increase that AOA at 100 knots, your load factor is going to increase. And as your load factor increases, your AOA is going to increase. And as your AOA increases, it increases towards the critical angle of attack for your airplane. And the airplane will now stall at a load factor above 1G and at a airspeed higher than the 1G stall speed for a 30 degree bank turn. So if we go and we look at the VG diagram on 5-38 in the PHAC, you can look at load factor along the left side of the column and you can look at your indicated airspeed along the bottom. And in this case, at 100 knots along the bottom, if we were to go up to where we would stall, it looks like we would have our accelerated stall at about 2.3 Gs. So the airplane is stalling at 2.3 Gs, not at 1 G. Remember, in your POH or your airplane flying handbook, you're going to have, normally, you're going to have a chart that gives you the stall speeds for different bank angles, and those are 1G stall speeds. As soon as you try and go above 1G, everything changes, especially if you have the energy to go above 1G uh, with respect to indicated airspeed. So if we move up along that red line, it says accelerated stall. We move on up towards the orange, you're going to see a little triangle and a gray tag called maneuvering speed. So anything at or below maneuvering speed is going to cause an accelerated stall. Uh, anything above maneuvering speed is going to cause structural damage. And what kind of structural damage are we talking about? We're talking about major structural damage such as panels coming off the airplane, 
wing skin becoming wrinkled or pulled off of the substructure of the aircraft airframe. We're talking about stringers and spars and ribs potentially bending, popped rivets. And we're also talking about, depending on the type of airplane and the type of spar in the airplane, potential failure of the spar, depending on how egregiously you are exceeding maneuvering speed when you try and over-G or demand a load factor that the airplane is not designed to give you. So there's our VG di diagram and, and kind of how you read it. There's also a, a negative G load factor. There's also a negative G maneuvering speed. But we don't talk about negative G maneuvering speed because most people in general aviations really don't feel negative Gs. They might feel less than one positive G, but they really, they may feel zero G, but they really don't go negative. Negative is more for that aerobatic world and the world of military aviation. So you can see uh, just there that maneuvering speed would be in a negative G situation would be slightly less because the airplane is not built to handle negative G's. It's built to handle positive G's, even though you may have some negative G limitation there. So that's the VG diagram and kind of how we read it. We've talked about the accelerated stall, also known as a G stall, also known as a load factor stall. But what's the difference between that turning stall and the accelerated stall? Well, a turning stall is just that. You're gonna pull the power back to idle. You're gonna configure the airplane like you're landing. You're gonna put a 30 degree bank turn into it. You're gonna start a descent to do a power off stall, 30 degree bank. And basically you're gonna let that airspeed bleed off until the stall horn goes off or you get stall buffet or you get the actual stall break. But per the ACS, we're supposed to be verbally acknowledging all three of those things. And it's a very benign scenario the airplane stalls, the nose pitches forward, you release the back pressure, and you recover with full power. The accelerated stall can happen in a multitude of ways. Uh, the accelerated stall we normally see in high bank turns uh, with a higher speed power on the airplane, and maybe you're, you're overshooting final approach and you're trying to pull the nose back to the final approach course, and you got a high bank angle, lots of load factor, and all of a sudden you hit your critical angle of attack and that, that nose will break just like it does in a, in a power off stall or a power on stall. The nose will fall away from the pilot. The, the wings will kind of want to go to a level and you're just going to have to go max power, relax that back pressure. And as soon as you relax the back pressure, you're pretty much recovered from an accelerated stall and get away from the ground. You can accelerate a stall on airplane uh, out the bottom of a dive. Some people call a secondary stall an accelerated stall. Uh, they're kind of one in the same where you're trying to, maybe you pop out of a spin and you try and recover too quickly with the nose by pulling back abruptly and that aircraft just goes into a secondary stall. The reason why there was a secondary stall is because that was an accelerated stall. You demanded too much load factor, too much AOA, from the aircraft before you generated enough energy to do so. Notice I'm not focusing on airspeed because an airplane can stall at any pitch attitude in any bank angle. So just remember that it's about AOA. It's about exceeding the critical AOA. It's about demanding too much load factor and not having enough energy to do that. So a turning stall is a 1G stall. An accelerated stall is a stall that occurs at or above, or above the 1G stall speed 
and above one G of load factor. So bottom of a loop is another good reference. If you're coming out the bottom of a loop, the wings are level, but you're pulling back on the stick, you're pulling out of that dive, and if you pull too hard, that airplane will go into an accelerated stall. Airman certification standards has some procedures on how to do an accelerated stall. And those are also found in the airplane flying handbook. You have to do accelerated stalls above 3000 for obvious reasons. The airplane is going to be a little bit more violent of a recovery. It's not like this out of control violent recovery, but it's more than what you're used to from a power on or a power off stall. So you're going to be above 3000 feet AGL. Make sure you set your power and you trim for a speed at or below VA or VO. And make sure you're below your maneuvering speed. Give yourself just a little bit of a fudge factor there so that you're not above VA when you go to accomplish the stall. You're going to set a 45 degree bank angle. So I like to use roll, pause, power, pull. So you're going to have everything set up. You're going to roll 45 degrees. You're going to pause there just for a second. You're going to check your power to make sure your power is right. Check your airspeed to make sure your airspeed's right. Roll, pause, power, and then pull. And you are going to make a steady constant aggressive pull until the first sign of a stall which is either going to be the horn or the buffet in this case very rarely do people pull through and actually see the stall break and the power in a accelerated stall and that pull should be rather aggressive because you're below maneuvering speed you know you're not going to damage the airplane and you want to get that stall to occur within 90 degrees of heading change. And remember, your heading is gonna be changing very rapidly in this scenario. You don't want the airplane to really climb because that's gonna bleed off your airspeed and it's gonna be more of a 1G stall as opposed to an accelerated stall. So we got the uh, VA or VO, we got the 45 degree bank angle, little to no climbing once you start pulling that sticker yoke smoothly but aggressively to the first sign of a stall. And as soon as you have that first sign of a stall, which is gonna be either the stall horn or the buffet, relax the back pressure immediately. That immediately reduces your load factor. It immediately reduces your AOA and the airplane will be flying again. If you don't pull aggressively enough, you're gonna enter a spiral where your airspeed is going to be increasing your G, your load factor is going to be increasing, you're going to accelerate above VA, and you have a very real, real possibility of damaging or tearing apart your airplane. So ensure that when you do this, try and get it the stall indication within that first 90 degrees of heading change. So what is the definition of maneuvering speed now that we're talking about it? Well, the definition is very specific. It says, you know, you can make one complete control surface deflection without damaging the aircraft so if you're at or below maneuvering speed. Well, that's really great. But what it's really saying is at or below maneuvering speed, you can move the elevator, the yoke or the stick aft to put positive load factor on the airplane. That's the one control movement. It's putting load factor on the airplane. And if you're at or below maneuvering speed, the aircraft will stall before it tears itself apart. The ailerons really don't put load factor on the airplane. The rudder really doesn't put load factor on the aircraft. But we need to understand that the elevator is what we're talking about. And in general aviation, we're talking about pulling the yoke or the stick aft, deflecting the elevator up and moving the pitch up 
on the aircraft to increase AOA, increasing load factor. It's very important to understand that. Anytime that you pull and deflect the ailerons or pull and deflect the rudder at the same time, you your load limit is reduced significantly because now not only are you putting a high load on the airplane, but you're also trying to twist the airframe at the same time. All your load factor limits are based on pulling or pushing the yoke with no other flight control surface deflection. So how does VA or VO protect us aerodynamically? It's rather quite simple, but I see a lot on exams where I ask this question and you can tell that the individual just hasn't thought it through prior to coming to the exam. And most individuals can put it together after about five or 10 minutes of kind of thinking through it, maybe referencing the PHAC or the airplane flying handbook, but it's very simple, it's very straightforward, and I think every pilot should have this answer on the, on the tip of their lips. How does VA, VA or VO protect us aerodynamically? Well, let's think about cruise airspeed. We have a power setting set, we have our cruise airspeed set, we're trimmed, and we have a specific angle of attack that we are maintaining that's maintaining our altitude and maintaining our airspeed. And we're trimmed for that. And that angle of attack is relatively low. And let's just say we're flying a high-performance aircraft, so we're up in the yellow arc, nice smooth air. Well, now let's say we kind of get into a little bit of a chop. Well, we know that we can operate in the yellow arc, but we're going to reduce the lifespan of the airframe, and we're going to take hours and minutes off of the far end of the lifespan of the airplane by operating in the yellow arc in turbulence. So we're going to slow down to the top of the green arc. So we make the power change, we make the trim change, we make the speed change, we maintain altitude, which means as we slow down, we have to increase our angle of attack. So we've increased our angle of attack just a slight bit because we've decreased our airspeed and we want the same amount of lift. So go look at the lift equation and see how that works. So now we have a slightly higher angle of attack. We're operating at the top of the green arc. And now that light turbulence becomes moderate. We know that we don't want to tear the airplane apart. So we decided, okay, we're going into moderate turbulence. We're going to slow down below VA. So VA is usually located somewhere not at the very top of the green arc, but somewhere near the top of the green arc. So we bring our power back again because we're great pilots. We know our pitch. We know our power settings for uh, VA or VO. So we bring the power back. We set our pitch. We've increased the angle of attack again because we've slowed down. And now we're at maneuvering speed. So now we know that if we hit a pocket of turbulence that attempts to demand more performance from the airplane, more load factor from the airplane than the airplane can give, the airplane is now going to stall instead of tear itself apart. And the reason why is because in all three of those instances, we've increased our angle of attack. Now we're operating closer to the critical angle of attack with regards to AOA than we were at cruise. So the angular distance between cruise flight AOA and critical angle of attack is greater than the angular distance between VA and critical angle of attack, which means the airplane will stall quicker because we're operating closer to the critical angle of attack than it will stall from a cruise angle of attack. This prevents excessive load factor buildup and this allows the airplane to stall instead of damaging itself 
when we do get that bump of turbulence. And for those of you who have experienced moderate turbulence in an aircraft, general aviation, and you have slowed down to at or below VA, you will notice that every time you hit one of those big bumps of turbulence, the stall horn goes off. And that's because you're operating near the critical aim of attack, operating at maneuvering speed, and it's all working the way it should. So there's your scenario on how to use maneuvering speed to your advantage. Use it during periods of greater than light turbulence. You can use it when you are trying to uh, demonstrate your aviation prowess on your exams or during your training flights. Keep everything at or below maneuvering speed and you know if you make a mistake, the airplane will just stall uh, instead of uh, tear itself apart. If you are doing spins and you pop out of a spin and you know your maneuvering speed is at 120 knots, you know when you pop out of the spin, if your airspeed is 70 knots indicated, you can start pulling back on that stick or yoke without concern about tearing your airplane apart. And you'll find out that as you pull back on that yoke, you will get into a stall horn or maybe the stall horn chirping. And then you can freeze that yoke or stick position, which is normally where your maneuvering speed is located. So remember, every airspeed has a pitch and power setting. And if we can use our stall warning as an angle of attack indicator, when we start hearing it chirp, if we freeze the yoke right there, we don't pull any harder, but we don't give any back to the airplane, and that stall horn is just chirping. We know that we're about five knots per stall. We know that our angle of attack is almost a critical angle of attack, but not there yet. And so if we hold that out of that, that dive from a spin recovery, we know that we should stay below maneuvering speed. And if we do try and over G the airplane, the airplane is just going to go ahead and stall. Again, I'm Pete Redden, and that's another very quick episode of The Way I Taught It. Thank you for finding this podcast worthy of inclusion in your study of aviation. Please leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If not, please leave feedback on how to improve this podcast and associated less than five-star review. Your feedback will not only make this podcast better, but make everyone listening an even better and safer pilot. I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, fly safe, fly smart. That's the way I taught it. Episode references, Airman Certification Standards, Pilot's Handbook of Aeronautical Knowledge, Airplane Flying Handbook, and your Airplane Flying Manual or Pilot's Operating Handbook, and a little bit of my personal experience.